Welcome to River City Church Podcast. We're glad you're listening. We believe this message will be encouraging and timely. To connect with us, find us on social or at rivercitychurch.co. All right, so let's go ahead. Genesis 31. Genesis 31. We're going to start there. Subtitle today, if you're taking notes, is At the Crossroads. At the Crossroads. We're going to dive a little bit deeper into the story of Jacob this morning. Jacob uh, is the grandson of Abraham. We uh, looked at, uh, we've looked at Jacob before and part of the story we're going to touch on today, but we're going to go into greater depth. Uh, Jacob's uh, you know, God describes himself as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And he's a generational God. He's a God that not only wants to work in one life and in one family and one generation, but he continues and has a purpose oftentimes beyond our own uh, purpose and calling in our own life and our own lifespan. And so, uh, but when we look at this, uh, we're going to start in Genesis 31, and we find Jacob kind of in the middle, uh, which is appropriate because that's our, our study, uh, our message title, our series title, Stuck in the Middle. And we're looking at what happens in the season in the place between where you've been, maybe where God brought you out of or where he set you free from, or maybe something you've been running from, uh, and it, but not quite yet where you know that God wants to bring you. Uh, not quite yet, as we sung about the promise today, there's a place between where you've received the promise and where you experience the promise. There's a place between where you prayed the prayer and where you see the answer take place. It's in the middle that a lot of people I've found in 17 years of ministry that most people get stuck right there. It's in the middle that most people are, are tempted to quit, to give up, to get discouraged, to uh, even uh, get sidetracked into other things. And Jacob finds himself in the middle, and he's in a season where uh, he's he has a promise from God over his life, but he's also in a place where he's running. He's running from a mess of his own design. Uh, Jacob has, uh, really, Jacob from the beginning, he was, he was born a twin. His older brother Esau uh, was, a, 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 essentially, he was born first. And so as the firstborn, he would receive the greatest inheritance. He would receive the double portion. Uh, but there was always a promise from God over Jacob. But at the very beginning, Rebekah's mother heard from the Lord that uh, the older would serve the younger. And, and, and Esau was somebody, while he had an inheritance and he had a birthright and he had a blessing uh, that was meant to be his, Esau was a man who was driven not by God and his promise, but by his own desires and his own self-interest. And so he did not value uh, something that had eternal significance. And so he lived for much lesser things. And so Jacob, while he would receive his brother's birthright, he did it uh, through essentially through deceiving his brother, uh, through receiving uh, the birthright from his brother by giving him a bowl of soup and said, hey, if you're starving, if you're hungry, why don't you give me your birthright in exchange for a bowl of soup? It's kind of like me saying, why don't you give me your family's inheritance for a, a water? Whopper or a Big Mac, you know, not a very good deal, but when people live short-sighted, when we're lived by our own desires instead of things that matter for eternity, we'll always sell our future, we'll sell our future for something very temporary, uh, and it's no less than what Esau has done, and then later on when he's to receive the blessing from his father Isaac, as Isaac's about to die, Jacob disguises himself as Esau uh, and goes before his father and tricks his own father into 
giving him uh, the blessing of the firstborn. And so Esau finds out about all this, and Esau's had enough. Esau says, when my dad dies, I'm going to kill my good-for-nothing brother. Jacob gets word of this from his own mom. She warns him, hey, you better hit the highway. So Jacob leaves, and he spends the next, I think it's something like 14 years of his life stuck in the middle. And while he's there, God blesses him. He meets God. He encounters the Lord for himself. And while he's in this place, God begins a process of personal transformation. And in that place, he ends up marrying Rachel and Leah. They, he has 11 of his 12 sons during this season. He becomes very successful in his business. And, and all of these things happen for Jacob, but there's still something that's unfinished in Jacob's life. He's now at a crossroads. Genesis 31, verse 1. He's lived with Laban, his uncle's family. And here's what it says. Now Jacob heard the words of Laban's son, saying, Jacob has taken away all that is was our father's. And from what was our father's, he has acquired all his wealth. While he's in this season, stuck in the middle, while he's with Laban, his uncle's family, he's at a place where he becomes increasingly unwelcome. Verse 2, and Jacob saw the countenance of Laban. Indeed, it was not favorable towards him anymore. Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. Jacob is there because he doesn't want to be somewhere else. Jacob's there because he, he, and God blessed him for that season and that place in his life, but Jacob is in a place right now that is becoming increasingly uncomfortable. And sometimes in our life, seasons we're not called to stay in will have to become uncomfortable for us to start moving. Are, are you with me? And so, you know, there's one thing that's kind of human nature. We don't like change. <laughs> we like things to be static, to be the way, be predictable, even if they're sometimes dysfunctional or unhealthy, because we at least know what to expect. But when we come to this place, things start to get uncomfortable for, for Jacob. He's had favor with Laban. He's had favor with Laban's family. But he's at a place now where it's time for him to return. And God put, tells him, God gives him a promise. And this promise is important because God's command, God's instruction to us, God's voice when we're at the crossroads is at a place. Jacob could have gone anywhere, but God's about to let him know, you're not staying here and you're not going somewhere else. You're going back to your purpose, to your inheritance. And for him, it meant dealing with unfinished business that he'd probably rather not deal with because he's got a brother who don't like him. Are you with me? Uh, things will get uncomfortable when we stay in seasons we're called to leave, but there isn't, you know, I found this to be true. Sometimes there's just certain things that there just isn't grace for anymore. Uh, God's grace enables us to do hard things, to, to walk in difficult places, to overcome adversity, but there's some seasons where there is no longer a grace for certain things, and we have to be sensitive to the Lord. Now, just because something's uncomfortable doesn't mean God's not in it. Let me just say that, first of all. But we have to recognize that, that when, as we saw last week, when God told Elijah he was at the brook, the brook dried up. He could have stayed there and died, but God told him, I've got to, you need to go to Zarephath. So sometimes God changes the method. He calls us into new seasons. He calls us into personal transformation. There's sometimes things we did in our old season that worked, that produced life, but there's no life in it anymore. There's no grace in that thing anymore. And God calls us to something new, independence on him. Maybe today you're at a crossroads in your own life. And I want to encourage you, there's one voice that you need to hear more than any other, and that's God's voice. 
There's one voice that needs to lead you more than any other. Not what you see, not what you feel, not what people say, but what God has said. Because at the end of the day, that's what's going to matter. God told his grandfather Abraham, it says in Hebrews chapter 11, that Abraham obeyed God when he was called to go to a place that he didn't know. God showed up to him one day and said, hey, Abraham, get up, pack up your family, and we're heading to a promised land. Okay, God, what's the, where is it? Well, I'll show you when I get there. I'll show you when you get there. You know, and, and he, the, I think the most challenging test of his obedience and faith is when he had to go home and tell his wife. Hey, honey, uh, we're, we're moving to, a, to Canaan, to a promised land. Well, where are we going to live? I don't know. We're just following God. Sometimes there's that place where we just respond to what he said, and he meets us along the way. Uh, but, but here's the thing. When we look at a crossroads, sometimes there's a difficult choice and an easy choice. Sometimes there's a, a, a difficult road a, a, or, or a more convenient road, and Jacob could have gone anywhere. He has everything he needs. You know, Jacob is, is very successful at this stage. He has everything he could ever want and ever need, but he has no peace. He has everything he could ever want, but he has, there's joy missing. Why? There's something unfinished that has to be finished. There's something unhealed that has to be healed. Money can't buy you a good night's sleep. You know, it can buy you the stuff to knock you out, but... <laughs> it can't give you a, 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 it can't give you rest it can't give you peace it can't give you joy stuff can't fulfill what only god can fulfill people can't fill what only god can fill and so he has unfinished business for jacob number 1 point number 1 i'm going to go through this quick point number 1 is this god wants to resolve the unfinished business of our lives there's unfulfilled promise unfulfilled dreams there's there's sometimes things we'd rather avoid but you can never be healed of what you avoid See, Jacob's a runner. He's really good at running. He spent most of his life running. But sometimes we've got to stop running from freedom and run to it. We've got to stop running from purpose and run to it. I know a lot of people that know what God's called them to do, but they avoid it. It's going to be quiet in the first point, I promise, but it's going to get better. We, we run from the very thing we're called to. We say things like this, it's too painful. I'm reminded of too much pain. I, 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 can't, I can't go there, do this. I can't do what God has told me to do because it's too hard, it's too difficult. But the promise for us at the crossroads is the same one that God gave to Jacob. God says to Jacob, you're gonna go back to your family, but here's what you're gonna do. When you go back to your household and to your family, to your father's house, here's what you need to know. I'm gonna be with you. Yeah, but uh, my brother wants to kill me. <laughs> Maybe he's forgotten over 14 years, but uh, maybe not. Uh, so, so if I go back, I'm dead meat. Uh, but God says, I'm with you. And it's always the same. In fact, that's probably the most recurring thing that God reminds us of throughout the Bible is that no matter what he's called us to do, he's with us in the journey. So, so we need to return. Here's what, he, here's what we return to. We return to God. We return to faith. We return to a call. We return to a purpose. And in the Bible, anytime someone ran, they always ran from their purpose and their place, not towards it. So maybe you're running, but here's the thing about running. It feels productive, but when you're running from God or from your purpose, you're always standing still. That's what it means to be stuck in the middle. Some of us are, you know, here's the thing. When you're young, you can outrun certain things, but the longer you live, you realize it catches up to you. Some of you live long enough to know what I'm talking about. 
There's stuff that was easy to avoid when you were younger, but now it's, it's harder to avoid. It's harder to outpace. But here's the thing. When you're running, but you're still standing still, God wants to address the unfinished business. God has to bring us back, sometimes to even the place that people have hurt us, so that God can heal us. Do you know God can't bless what you run to if he's not in it? Isaiah 44 Verse 21, God said this, remember these, O Jacob, speaking to Israel, the nation that would come from the Jacob we're describing today, and Israel, for you are my servant, I formed you, you're my servant, O Israel, you will not be forgotten by me. What a great promise, God doesn't forget us. He says, I blotted out like a thick cloud all your sin, your transgressions. Sometimes we have this, this, this uncertainty that remains where we don't recognize that God wants to forgive us in Christ. And maybe you've received forgiveness, but you still have this kind of cloud hanging over your head because you really don't believe it. You really don't believe that you're forgiven. You don't really believe that what Jesus did is for you and that God really loves you. Not only does he love you, church, he actually likes you too. You ever, you ever love someone because you have to, but you don't really like him? No. Okay, good. But here's what God says to them. He says, I, I've, I've blotted out your sin. I've forgiven you. Why? So that you can return to me. He says, return to me, for I've redeemed you. Verse 22. So for him, for Jacob, what does this look like? What does this crossroads look like? It looks like going back to Esau, confronting the thing that he's run from, confronting his past, because God can't take Jacob where he needs to take him. As long as there's unfinished business that Jacob won't find peace with and freedom with. Let's go to chapter 32 really quick. Chapter 32, Genesis 32, 1. So Jacob went on his way. And just as God promised God would be with him, here's what it says in verse 1. The angels of God met him there. See, he's got to start moving towards the will of God. But as he moves towards the will of God, he finds something that anybody who follows God's voice finds. You meet God on the road. The angels of God met him. Do you know the provision you need is often found along the journey towards the will of God? Do you know the healing you need, the freedom you need, is not found in standing still, but in pursuing the thing that God has called you to, in responding to what God has said to you? See, we think like this, well, God, when I see it, I'll believe it. I hope uh, none of you have said that. I've said it. God, I'll, 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 I'll believe it when I see it. But that's not the way it works. We believe first and we trust just like Abraham. Abraham, you're going to leave the place you're at to go to where I've called you. And he, he, he gets up and he goes. Years later, when God tells him, take your promise and give it to me, he does it quickly. How can Abraham obey that quickly? Because he trusts the one who calls him. I think we don't always have so much. We have an obedience issue, but the real issue is a trust issue. Because if we really trusted the God who calls us, we wouldn't worry about what he said to do. Because he meets us on the way. It says that Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. And Jacob saw them and he said, this is God's camp. And he called the name of that place Mahanaim. And, and I'll just say this, Mahanaim means literally two camps. The rabbis taught that they were Two camps of angels, one to go before Jacob and one to guard him behind. And, 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 but here's what I know about God. God's with you, but he's also gone before you. And he's also the one who watches your back. Sometimes you got to have somebody watch your back. 
And that's what God promises to be. That's what God promises to do. And almost like a side note, the Bible mentions this in two verses. Like, I would spend a whole chapter on just this. But, but the Bible just gives us two verses, just as a reminder, hey, on the way to what Jacob considers probably his most difficult choice in his entire life, to go back home and face his brother Esau, to do God's will. Now, now following God's will may look very different for you. It may not look like going back to something. It may look like choosing to follow God's voice in an area that looks very difficult or very hard to trust him in a way that you've never trusted him before, to surrender in a way you've never surrendered before. But God reminds us that he's with us on the journey. He's already gone before us, and he's already guarding our back, and he's alongside, but he's there. And watch what happens, verse three. Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, to his brother. So he sends a message. Verse six, then the messengers returned to Jacob, and they said, hey, we saw your brother, and he's coming to meet you. That's the good news. Here's the bad news. You can, you can see it. There's 400 guys with him. Now, Jacob doesn't have to be the brightest bulb in the box to figure out that this doesn't look good. He, 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 he sees, he gets word that Jacob's brother is coming, Esau is coming, and he's coming with 400 men. And he's probably ready to fight, is what's going through Jacob's mind. But Jacob just had an encounter with God. Jacob just had the angels of God meet him. Jacob just had a reminder that God is with him and the God who... And so, so here's what Jacob does, and I want you to see this. I want you to see what Jacob does. Uh, let's go to verse 7. So Jacob was greatly distressed and afraid, understandably. So here's what he does. He divides his group the flocks, herds, and camels into two companies. And he says, if Esau comes and attacks one, the other will escape. But then he does something very important that I want to take you to for our second point today. Jacob says, Jacob prays. Jacob turns to God. Jacob says, oh God, my father of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country. <laughs> He's like, God... I got 400 guys coming my way. I've got a brother who's probably pretty hot right now, who's ready to, to, to take my head off. I, I got a brother who's ready to fight. Some of you have siblings. You know what you're, I'm talking about. Uh, he's ready to fight. My kids, my kids, they have that kind of a fight in the backseat of my car because they're touching. If you have a solution to that, please let me know. <laughs> I'm going to build a dividing walls in between each of my kids in the car. But here's, here's what he says. Re he says, God, you told me. Return. Point number two is this. Return to the promise of God. Some of us got to remember what God said. Some of us are looking for God give us a new word, but we didn't respond to the last word. But, but here's where Jacob is. God... God shows him, I'm with you. And then the very next thing Jacob sees is danger. At least what he thinks is danger. And he reminds himself, and in prayer, he reminds the Lord. Not that God forgot, but in prayer, he says, God, this is your promise. Some of us need to get our Bibles back out and say, this is what God said. I see my need, I see the problem, I see the, the pain, I see what I'm having to face, but I know the God who's promised to be with me. 
See, sometimes what I pray is very simple. I pray the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. I pray his word, and I go, God, remember what you said. I know what this diagnosis says, but here's what your word says. I know what this need says, but here's what your promise is. And we need to go back to God's promise when we're faced with the problem. Return to the promise of God. He says, oh God, (laughs) uh, you told me to do this. You, You ever respond to God and then everything looks like the opposite of what you thought would happen? You're, you're trying to get your way out of the middle, and, and yet it seems like you're even more stuck than you were before. There's even more challenge, more obstacles, more difficulty. But, but listen, you know, God didn't bring you this far. If you get nothing else from this message, get this. God didn't bring you this far to leave you here. <laughs> God, didn't, God didn't bring you this far in your journey just to drop you, just to let you go, just to let, let life overtake you. The God who promised you is the God who will deliver you. The God who promised to be there is the God who will see you through. He doesn't take us halfway. There's no such thing as halfway victory. He doesn't doesn't just bring you halfway in healing. He doesn't just provide halfway. He's enough and he's more than enough. So he's given us his word and he's given us his promise. Here's what the Bible says of itself. Psalm 119, 105 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Do you know why we need to remember what God said? Because sometimes the way is so dark and so unclear, all we have is enough light for the next step. But the good news is we have his word that gives us, it's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. I don't know what to do. Open his word. (laughs) I, I, I don't know what to do. Follow his voice. You've been given the word of God and you've been given the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 30, verse 21. I used to, back when I was single and this was a good way to decorate, I used to print off uh, Bible verses on just a, a sheet of paper and scotch tape them to my walls. <laughs> my wife finds prettier decor that has the same verses on it. But sometimes you've got to put God's word in front of you until it gets inside of you. And one of the verses I remember putting up early on, because I was asking God, I want to learn to hear your voice. I want to know your voice. I want to recognize and respond to it. Is I, I, I began to do this. I began to put this verse up, Isaiah 30, verse 21. Your ears will hear a word behind you, saying, this is the way, walk in it. I had no idea how many times I would need that promise, how many times I would have a choice between one road or another, one road that looked easy and more convenient, or another road that I know was God, but it looked like facing some things, surrendering some things, trusting God more than I had before. He says, whenever you turn to the right or to the left, (laughs) He says, you're going to hear God's direction. You're going to hear God's voice. Some of us need to remember and return to his promise. The third and final point is this. Stop running, start wrestling. (laughs) So Jacob, Jacob gets his two groups of people. He's he's trusting God enough to move in the right direction, but he's hedging his bets at the same time. (laughs) I'm from Vegas. Okay. He's, he's, 
he's calculating, he's mitigating the loss. And so he separates his group into two companies. <laughs> and what he's actually going to do later on is he's going to put his favorite family members in the back and his least favorite family members in the front. We won't talk about that. He puts them in the order of what he's willing to lose. <laughs> but Abraham, or, or Jacob, excuse me, he sends, they cro- he crosses a place called Jabok, Yabok, and it's a river. And it's, it literally, it means emptying. And here's what it says. Let's go to verse, uh, let's go to verse 16. Let's read it and then we'll talk about it. Verse 16, then he delivered to them the hand of his servants gifts for his brother, and he drove, every drove by itself, and he said to his servants, pass over before me, put some distance between successive groups or successive droves. So he's sending his servants ahead with gifts for his brother, so that his brother, one after another, as every, every so many feet along the journey, he's going to encounter gifts that Jacob is sending to kind of butter him up, to try to ease the, ease the tension in the room. Verse 17, and so he commanded the first one and said, when Esau, my brother, meets you and asks, says, uh, to whom do you belong and where are you going? Uh, who are these in front of you? Then you will say, they are your servant Jacob's. It is a present sent to my Lord Esau, and behold, uh, he also is behind us. So he commanded a second and a third and all those who followed in the droves. And he says, speak in this manner, verse 20, and also say, behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the presence that go before me, and afterward I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present went over before him, and he lodged himself that night in the camp. And he arose that night, he took Rachel and Leah's two wives and his ser- female servants, his 11 sons, and crossed over the ford Yabok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and said, uh, over, uh, sent over what he had. So he sends over his whole family, all of his, all of his resources. And Jacob, verse 24, was left alone. Jacob's used to running, but now he's going to start wrestling. And a man wrestled with him until the break of day. This is man, capital M, you may notice in the Bible. Well, I think that's all caps. Never mind, you can't tell it on the screen. You can see it in your Bible. A man wrestled with him. This is not just any man. It's not just any person. It's God himself, as we're going to find out. Jacob's wrestling when he's all alone. Sometimes God has to get us alone to really change us. Sometimes we're too busy to listen. We're too distracted to be transformed. And Jacob has a moment. He crosses this place called emptying because the water empties out, but it represents a place in his life to experience real and lasting change. He's got to become empty. Empty of his fear, empty of his, his running, empty of his own understanding and his own trust and his own dependency and his own desire to make things happen his own way. And he comes to a place where now he's wrestling with God. And I think some of us, God's calling us to stop running and start wrestling. I, I liked when I was a kid, I was a big, I don't know, they changed the name because of a lawsuit, but I was a big WWF fan. I, Hulk, Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior. You know, I, I was all about it. And people would tell me, it's not real. I'm like, I don't care. I've got a friend who's a grown man. He's in his 40s. He still thinks it's real. <laughs> 
He's like, you don't understand. You get hit by a chair, it hurts. I'm sure it does. But here's what happens in this moment. What is wrestling? Wrestling is when you have a hold of something and that has a hold of you. It's when you have a hold and something has a hold of you. And that's where he finds himself in this moment is he's getting a hold of God, but God is getting a hold of him. And as he's wrestling, you know the story, I've preached that part of the story before, he leaves this encounter with God transformed. His walk is changed. God changes his name from Jacob, which can mean heel grabber, supplanter, to Israel, prince with God. Something happens in Jacob's life because God wants to make him into the promise into who he's called to be. Because God was not just going to be the God of Abraham and Isaac. Why do we know about Jacob? Why is he the God of Jacob? Because of this moment right here. Because he wrestled. Some of us want change, but we don't want to wrestle. We want things to be different, but we don't want to wrestle. When we pray, we're wrestling. When we fast, we're wrestling. When we worship, we're wrestling. When we get into the word every day, we're wrestling. When we stand on God's promise, we're wrestling. We're grabbing a hold of something and allowing that to grab a hold of us. And it's in that place that we find real and lasting change. Jason, if you and the team want to start getting ready. Sometimes things don't change until you wrestle. Things don't change until you're willing to grab a hold of God. I think most people, if you were to ask them, do they want things to be different in their life, they would say yes. But few people ever find different because they don't want to wrestle. They think it's too hard, it's too difficult, it's, it's too time-consuming. To, I, I don't have time to pray. I've learned this, I don't have time not to pray. <laughs> Because when I pray, when I make room for God, when I pray, God goes to work in areas that I couldn't make happen on my own. God begins to give you direction you couldn't find on your own. And God doesn't want to just talk to you about church stuff, guys. He wants to talk to you about your family, your business, everything that concerns you. God has a purpose for it. God has a promise over it. And we need to get in the ground and wrestle. Now, my dad used to wrestle with me. I got a, we, he took me to my first WWF match. And I got a championship belt. It was made of styrofoam, <laughs> but I didn't care. And I would get down on the ground with my dad, and somehow my dad would let me win. I didn't know he was letting me win, because you know, I, I've got it with my kids. Now, the, the bigger my kids are getting, the less likely I am to let them win. <laughs> and, and the more their shots start hurting, especially with my 12-year-old. But here's what I found. When you're a good father, you challenge your children, but you invite them into something. You don't crush them, you invite them. And God is like that. God invites us deeper. He invites us to wrestle in prayer, wrestle in his word, wrestle in worship. Don't run from God. Don't run from your calling. Start wrestling. And in that place of wrestling, you're transformed. Like Jacob, you won't leave the same way you came in. You'll have a new name, a new nature, a new walk. And I just want to leave you with this one question before we 
pray. You know, sometimes we look at life change as this, I've got to, I've got to have everything in my life figured out tomorrow. And that can be overwhelming. But what's one thing, if you started wrestling in that one area, what's one thing, if it was different, your whole life would be better? And they used to get water for their household. They would go to a well with a bucket, often made of wooden slats. Wooden slats that ran from the bottom to the top of the bucket. And they would draw water from a well. But as they were carrying it, if one slat was lower than the others, the water would leak out at that place. And so the answer isn't always raising all the slats at once, it's finding the lowest and changing that one. What's one thing today that I believe God wants to invite you into? To deal with, to surrender? Maybe it's one area, if you would just forgive that one person, everything else in your life would begin to change. If you would just release that one thing that happened to you, if you would just allow God to heal that one hurt that you've carried for years, if you would just allow God to bring freedom in that one area, deal with that one issue that you've held onto and you've not been willing to surrender, it could change everything. Would you stand to your feet? Let me pray with you. I just tell you, every day we're at a crossroads. Every day we have the choice to follow God's purpose, God's plan, God's promise, or try to do it our own way. Jacob, for most of his life, God helped him in spite of him. (laughs) Because God's so faithful and God's so good and he's so gracious and merciful. But I want you to understand something. God had a promise for Jacob to make him into Israel, prince with God. And it was going to take Jacob all alone, being emptied of everything else and wrestling alone with God. And it was in that place that he'd be changed. We believe this message will be encouraging and timely. To connect with us, find us on social or at rivercitychurch.co.